0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. As a parent, sometimes we will undoubtedly ask our children, did you do what I said? Sometimes, They affirm, yes, I did. Sometimes, as you well know, the response is not so favorable. God wants us to be obedient to His will. As a matter of fact, Jesus said on one occasion, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say to you? There is a premium placed on obeying the Father's will In Scripture, it's interesting that as Jesus begins His public ministry, one of the things that He emphasizes is obedience to the will of the Father. And in Matthew chapter 7, what He affirms to us today is that there will come a day when really all that matters is did we do the will of the Father in heaven. I want to begin today by first of all talking about the divine obligation. There is an obligation resting upon the shoulders of all of us, and that is to be compliant to the will of the Father. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I think first of all we need to understand something about the authority of the Lord, the authority of Christ. As we think about the authority of Christ, the authority of the Lord, maybe it would be good for us to begin by emphasizing the fact that there is a call for us to to realize, to recognize, that Jesus has all authority. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees, the scribes, they were all about outward form. It was all about tradition. What they wanted was to be viewed or seen by others as righteous. You remember in Matthew chapter 23 when Jesus delivered a series of woes to the scribes and Pharisees of his day, he identified them as hypocrites. And he said, outwardly you appear righteous before men. But he said, inwardly you're full of all uncleanness. In Matthew chapter 5, six times you will hear Jesus say, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time. But I say unto you, inserting his divine authority. And I think what Jesus is saying is that Authority has been entrusted unto Him. You remember in Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And during His earthly ministry in Matthew 17, the Bible pictures Jesus on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and He was transfigured in their presence. Moses and Elijah appeared on the scene. God spoke from heaven on that occasion. And He said, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Again, emphasizing the importance of the authority that has been vested in Him. Not only does Jesus have authority today, but Jesus would say during His earthly ministry in John chapter 5 and about verse 27, that the Father has given Him authority to execute judgment. So one day, He will be seated upon the throne of His glory in judgment. So to recognize that authority. But then there's another thought here. There is a tremendous difference in recognizing the authority of Christ and respecting the authority of Christ. For example, there are a lot of folks in our world today, there are a lot of folks in America, that will tell you they believe in the laws of our land. They understand that there are certain laws on the books That if those those laws are violated, then there are punishments that are ultimately meted out. There are speed limits. There are certain laws on the books prohibiting people from taking the life of another individual. We're not to steal. These are just some basic laws on the books. Now, a lot of folks may recognize those laws are on the books, but respecting those laws is a different thing, isn't it? I was watching the news this morning, it was amazing the number of people that were shot within the last 24 hours in the Mid-South area. Some not just shot, but killed, violating the laws of the land. So there are a lot of people that will tell you, they understand. There are laws in this land that are to govern the behavior of people. But how many times do people have this idea that they are above the law? Isn't it the case that some who have committed what we call white-collar crimes have sought to live above the law? They thought they were immune to the law. What about the law of Christ? Is it not the case that there are some today that think they are above the law? The law may apply to others, but it doesn't apply to them. That's not what... Listen to what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. That encompasses everyone. So when we talk about Jesus as Lord, what are we saying? We are saying that Jesus is the Lord, the one who reigns or rules in our life. You remember in Acts 2.36, Peter said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 Paul said that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. In Matthew, or rather in Acts chapter 26, there is an interesting account of Paul recounting his conversion to Christ. In that context, Paul recounts the words of Jesus that He had appeared to Him for this purpose, to make Him a minister. The word minister there means a subordinate, one who takes directions from another. As children of God, as people who live on God's earth, we are duty-bound to take directions from whom? From the Lord. Why? Because He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Our lives are to be in compliance to His will. And so to recognize that authority. But then there's a second thing, and that is the assurance that we have from Jesus, the assurance that we have from the Lord. Now, listen again to what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Is it not the case that all who do the Father's will have the promise of being a part of the kingdom, have a a promise of being with the Lord where? In heaven. So you think about the importance of, of the words of Jesus. I want to to suggest to you today that Jesus Christ, whether we realize it or not, the Lord Jesus offers us the best life. When He emphasized obeying the Father's will, what He was saying in the first century, what He says today through His Word, is that I have the ability to afford you the absolute very best in life. Do you believe that? Do you believe God offers you the best life? I think He does. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus offers us an abundant life, an abounding life. How so? If we abide in Him, do we not enjoy an abundant life, an abiding life? Are there not people today that are looking for a certain quality when it comes to life? Sure there are. Most of us, we want to enjoy blessings in life, not heartaches. We want joy and not frustration. We want success and not failure. And what Jesus is saying is, you want to be a success, then follow the Lord. Why? Because He offers you the best life. Now, to live for Jesus, it affords us the best life, and the reason is because it is the blessed life. How do I know that? Listen again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Is it not the case that when we become a child of God that we enjoy blessings and favors unknown to those in, quote, unquote, the world? Yes. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 3, every spiritual blessing known to man resides in one place. You know where that place is? It's in Jesus. So that means if you want to have the best life, which equates to the blessed life, then what do you have to do? You've got to be in Christ, don't you? You've got to live for Him. You think about all these great blessings. Did you know that as a child of God, that God is your Father? Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, that if we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Christ. Listen, we are a part of God's family. We've got all these blessings and favors. So do we have the best life? Yes, why? Because we've got a blessed life. So you think about this divine obligation. But then secondly, there is a divine revelation. So I want you to look with me again at Matthew chapter 7. Pick up again in verse 21, because Jesus is going to talk about the significance of obeying the Lord. What what does it mean to obey the will of the Lord? Well, listen again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Did you know that there are some prerequisites to entering the kingdom? It's not up to me in terms of defining admission into the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, it's not up to anyone on earth, is it? Who has the authority to define terms of admission into this spiritual kingdom? Is it not the Lord Jesus? Why? Because all authority has been given unto Him. Because God the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, hear Him. So whatever Jesus says with regard to entering the kingdom, we need to listen to Him, don't we? We need to make sure we listen to exactly what He says. In John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, he affirmed something special about Jesus. Because he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do the miracles or the signs which you're doing unless God is with him. Jesus then said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. He asked the question, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, the answer is no. Tipping people of every generation off to the fact that we're not talking about a physical birth, but rather a spiritual birth. Jesus then said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now what did Jesus say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Why is it that people quibble about what the Lord said regarding entering the kingdom? It's not up to us. Look, the Lord Jesus is the one that has, def- that has defined the terms of admission into His kingdom. And Jesus would say in John chapter 3, Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. The new birth puts us into His kingdom. How do I know that? Because in Colossians chapter 1, Paul said that God has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. When we obey the gospel, we are delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. When does that occur? When we're baptized into Christ. Baptism obviously preceded by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance of sin, confession of His name, and then God places us in that body. Somebody says, well, why do I need to be a member of the body of Christ? What's so special about that? Well, Ephesians 5.23 tells us that Jesus is the Savior of the body. And the body's the church, Colossians 1.18, isn't it? So that means in order to enjoy the blessings that Jesus is talking about, I've got to be compliant to the will of the Father. So, having said that, we talk about the prerequisite to entering the kingdom. But then to know that there is a promise to all who enter the kingdom. Jesus says, in effect, that if we do the will of the Father, then we can enter what? The kingdom of heaven. Didn't didn't John write in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14? He said, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. You mean to tell me that if I live according to the will of God, if I walk in the light, walk in harmony with the will of God, then the promise of heaven is mine? Absolutely. Didn't Paul write to Titus many years ago say that those of us who belong to the family of God, that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Doesn't the Bible say that we have the assurance, the promise of eternal life? In 1 John 2, 25, John said, this is the promise that He has promised us, even eternal life. So you think about the promises to those of us who belong to the family of God. So there is some significance attached to obeying the Lord. But now I want you to think about something. Jesus now talks about a surprise to those who do not obey the Lord. Listen now, if you would, to verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, what day, Lord? Jesus is now talking about the end of time, the last day. John chapter 6, Jesus on a number of occasions, talks about raising people up at the last day. It's the day of judgment. You remember Paul in, in Athens said, The times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. Are you ready for the judgment? Are you sitting on go with, with regard to the judgment seat of Christ? Paul said, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us must give an account of ourselves to God. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord Jesus is picturing that. And you remember in, in the Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, John said, I saw the dead, the small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. What books? God's Word. Well, how important is God's Word? Well, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the books are going to be opened. God's Word is going to be opened. And Jesus said, he that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. He said, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. In Romans chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said, we know that the judgment of God, listen to him, is according to truth. Jesus is talking about the day of judgment, the day when all of us are going to stand before the Lord. Our name will be called, we'll be ushered into the presence of God. We'll kneel before Him, we'll give an account of the deeds done in the body, as Paul said, whether good or bad. Now I want you to listen, if you would, to the claims of some on that day. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied by Your name? cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. I want you to think about something for a minute. We're not talking about people of rogue behavior. We're not talking about individuals that have lived a vile, ungodly, reprobate life. We're talking about religious people here, aren't we? Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Their claims... They claim to have labored in His name. You mean to tell me they could have been on distant shores, serving the Lord, sacrificing for His cause? Absolutely, He doesn't deny that. He's talking about religious people here. And they're going to boast of all the great things that they've done in His name. Lord, we've been out prophesying in Your name. We've cast out demons in Your name. We have done many mighty works, many mighty wonders in Your name. We're talking about all the things that they did in the name of Jesus. Are there not people today in our world that are laboring under the illusion they're serving the Lord? That every sacrifice that is made is made on behalf of Jesus. Look, I'm not impugning their motives, I'm not judging their heart. But what Jesus is saying is on the day of judgment, will there be people of rogue behavior? Yes. Will there there be people that have lived lives that are despicable? Will there be individuals who have engaged in criminal activities? Yes. Will there be people who have claimed to be atheistic in their persuasion, agnostic? Sure. But Jesus is talking about religious people here. And Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But listen, He that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What do you think he's saying? I think what Jesus is saying is there is a premium on obeying my word. We better listen to what he says. We better make sure that what we practice coincides with what is taught in Scripture. Why? Because James said, So speak, so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. It's called the law of Christ in James chapter 1, verse 25. Perfect law of liberty. Could it be, could it be, verse, verses 22 and 23 are the saddest verses in the Bible? Well, why do you ask that? Well, listen, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, in your name cast out demons, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them. Listen to what he says. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or iniquity. Do you know what Jesus is saying to those folks? Jesus is saying, I never knew you. You were never a part of my body. You were never a part of the institution that is identified as my saving institution. Look, I didn't didn't write those words. I didn't originate those words. Jesus did. Can you imagine the shock, dismay, the utter horror of standing before God and hearing the Lord say, depart from me. I never knew you. But Lord, Lord, I've been laboring for you. I've been serving in your name. I've been preaching and teaching and telling others about you day in, day out. I have made tremendous sacrifices, not denying that. But here's the problem. You did not do the will of my Father which is in heaven. And because of that, you'll be lost forever. So we ask the question, have you obeyed the Father's will? Does it matter? If I understand what the Lord Jesus is saying, it matters, and let me tell you what, it matters a lot. I can't emphasize enough. Now let's just think about that for a minute. Think about in the world in which we live, the number of people that have been told, here's how you become a child of God. Let me just tell you, here's here's what you need to do to become a child of God. Many of us, we have seen multitudes upon multitudes of people follow this, this plan or this pattern. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head, accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, and then recite this prayer. Once you've recited this prayer, your sins are forgiven, and now you belong to the family of God. Is that person a Christian? Is that person a child of God? What they say on Pentecost Day? You remember? Peter standing before a multitude of people when they asked men and brethren, what shall we do? Didn't Peter say, here's what I want you to do, bow your heads, recite after me. Is that what Peter said? No, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Did Peter speak by the authority of God? Yes, he did. If what Peter said was true then, is it not true today? If that's how you made a Christian in the first century, is that not how you make a Christian today? Does the Bible not teach us emphatically, concisely, unequivocally, how to become a child of God? Yes, it does. When we become a child of God, guess what? God adds us to the church. Acts 2, verse 47. I don't join the church. I'm not voted into the church. God puts me in the church. When does that occur? By one spirit you were all baptized. Listen to Him. Into one body. You mean to tell me there's just one body the church? That's right. How do I know that? Colossians 1.18, He's the head of the body of the church. How many churches are there? There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So you mean to tell me that if I'm not in the body of Christ, if I haven't been baptized into Jesus Christ, and I'm out here laboring and serving, quote, unquote, the Lord making great sacrifices, all of that will be in vain. Well, listen to what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have when I prophesied in your name, in your name cast out demons, in your name done many mighty works. of works. Then I will declare unto them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Will they be lost? What well, Jesus say? Does it matter? Let me ask you a question. Does it matter If a $20 bill is genuine or counterfeit, does it matter? Go to the bank and try to pass a counterfeit bill off. See see if it matters or not. Does it matter if you are a genuine child of God or a counterfeit? Does it matter? Jesus said it does. Thirdly and quickly, the divine illustration. There is a comparison and 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 a contrast in the following verses. Listen, if you would, to what Jesus said. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine, by way of comparison, both individuals under consideration in this context were hearers of God's Word. And what did Jesus say about hearing the Word? Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Didn't Jesus also say, Take heed what you hear? And in Luke 18, didn't he also say, Take heed how you hear? All right, so we got people that are listening. Jesus said, Whoever hears these things of mine, that's what he said. All right, you got people that listen. That's the comparison. But what about the contrast? Whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Two builders under consideration here. By way of of contrast, one is identified by Jesus as a wise man. Why? Because he heard the Word of God and did it. He didn't quibble about it. He didn't argue about it. He simply did it. And Jesus said, when the rains came, the floods, the rains and the floods came, and the winds blew, that house stood. Listen to the continuation. Everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. By way of comparison, there are two types of hearers. One who hears and one who does. One who hears and one who does not. By way of contrast, There are two builders, one wise and one foolish. When you look at your life and the life that you're building, and we're all building a life, aren't we? Go to the cemetery and look at a tombstone. It has a beginning date and an ending date. And all that really matters is what's in the middle, right? So you're building a house. Is your house built on the Lord? Is your your life built on the teaching of the Son of God? Because let me tell you what, that is the only life that will stand. Is your life built on the rock? If it's not, then you're not a wise builder, you're a foolish builder. And only a foolish person would hear what the Son of God said and dismiss it. And there are a lot of folks that dismiss what the Son of God said. And yet Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So I close today asking this question, have you obeyed the Father's will? Does it matter? Does it matter if we obey the Father's will? It matters. And really the question that you have to answer, that I have to answer, that we all have to answer individually, have we obeyed it and are we obeying it continuously? As Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want you to understand there's there's coming a day in which you're going to stand before God. It will matter whether or not you have done the Father's will. Have you done His will? Have you submitted to what He said in terms of how to become a child of God? Are you a part of His body? What they did in the first century is what we must do today. If we do that, we're a member of the church, aren't we? If we repent, baptized into Christ, we have the assurance that as long as we walk in the light, His blood cleanses us from all sin. If you're here, and let's just say that at one time you obeyed the gospel, but like that foolish builder, you quit listening to what He said. You quit doing what He said. And now you're worried about your spiritual state. Let me tell you what, God will take you back. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, Fastened to the rock which cannot move, Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.